0: everyone, welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk, brought to you by co-lead pastor, Amos Grunendijk. Uh, happy Together is, in a way, an ironic series title for us in this time, because we are happy together, but apart. We are keeping our social distance, but I want you to know that social distance is not the same thing as emotional distance. And even though we've been put on a quarantine, that is not the same thing as isolation. We were made for relationship. We need it. And that's one of the reasons that the church exists, to facilitate love for each other and connection with other people, as well as connection to God. So it is appropriate today to continue on this series about flourishing together. In fact, uh, in this new context, while some of us may be living alone uh, and needing digital connection to see other people, some of us have been stuck in our houses with our spouses, and our families. And so we've had a lot of togetherness. And I hope that today's message will help um, create a more happy togetherness. But where we've been so far on the series, because we took a break, let's just go back. It's been over a month ago now that we started this series with a few principles for friendship. We said friendship is the kingdom come. We followed it up by talking about giving up controlling behavior and how to listen well without fixing or judging. We talked about how in a happy or or flourishing community, we need to give space for each other to grieve or to be sad. Allison talked about shame and uh, how shame is that feeling of unworthiness, but how we were born looking for someone, looking for us. How we want to be paid attention to and and valued and be given uh, respect. Today we're going to be reading from First Peter, this was written by one of Jesus' uh, dearest friends and closest disciples. First Peter 4, verse 7, he says, The end of the world is coming soon. We're just going to let that sink in for a minute. And we'll talk about it later. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and discipled, disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Maybe not the greatest advice for a global pandemic, but uh, the idea here, and actually the, the language indicates hospitality, which we can still show. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. I think this is a timely passage. Uh, It's a little section of what a flourishing community could look like. But he starts with this phrase that uh, is very poignant right now. He says, The end of the world is coming soon. Now you might read this as Paul, or sorry, as Peter, misunderstanding when Jesus was going to return. But if you uh, have been at the vineyard for very long, you know that when you hear the word end in the New Testament, it's not necessarily talking about the termination of the world. Uh, the word end in the Greek has a multitude of angles to it, like a diamond. You can look at it from different different ways, and it expresses its meaning uh, through the different lenses. And one of the ways to see this is to, to understand that it means to be fulfilled. And so if you look at this through Peter's eyes, you have someone who was a dear friend of Jesus. When he looked at Jesus, he saw the face of God the Father. This man had healing in his hands and heaven in his eyes. He had watched Jesus die for the forgiveness of sins. He had seen Jesus rise to life again in victory over death and ascend into heaven as a display of his ultimate kingship. On the one hand, Peter is saying, yes, we live in urgent times. It's the end of the world as we know it. The question is, how do you feel? I feel fine. Okay, it's weird telling jokes to an empty room. But, uh, so there, there is urgency, but he's also saying, I, we live in, in urgent times because I have seen the climax of history. And even today, 2,000 years later, we are living in that fulfillment. We are seeing the kingdom of God come. In fact, when you look at the Greek in here, the original language, uh, Peter says, the end of the world is coming soon, but that world for coming soon is the same word that he heard Jesus say at the very beginning when Jesus said, the kingdom of God has come near. So you might hear in Peter's words, the fulfillment of all things has come near. A parallel to the kingdom of God is here. And so how do we act? Be earnest and disciplined in our prayers, but here, most important of all, continue to show Deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. We're going to be looking at that phrase uh, for the, really the rest of our time today, most of the rest of our time. Love covers a multitude of sins. And there's a way to misread this. You might read this as, if I love people well, then my sins will be covered over. That's actually the opposite of what the good news about Jesus is. Because if my love makes up for my sins, then it is not grace that saves you. It is not a gift from God. It is your earning. Okay, so that that is not what Peter is saying here. Peter is, in fact, quoting from Proverbs. And so what he's making here is a statement about how the world works or about wise living. He says in Proverbs uh, Ten, verse twelve: Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers all wrongs. So, in other words, and this makes sense if you think about it: If you have a negative disposition towards someone, or if, let's say, you don't like me, everything I do is going to irritate you, and you're going to be quick to judge and criticize and, and fight. But if if you generally like me. Uh, You'll, you'll probably give me the benefit of the doubt or, or love me. You might even think that I'm tr- doing my best or, or trying to, to do the right thing. Uh, and then even if we get into an argument, the way we fight is different. If you like me, we'll, we'll go into the fight a, s- a certain way. We'll fight with respect and honor for each other, and we'll end the fight and we'll be able to repair the relationship. But if you come in with, with a disposition of hatred or suspicion, if you don't trust me, the whole thing gets tainted. And so I want to read from uh, a book that I've been looking at quite a bit. And it's a book specifically about marriage, but it's a book that covers uh, really all of relationships. And I'm going to first focus on the the quote-unquote relational sins that that Peter might be pointing us to. Uh, Here, John Gottman, who is a researcher, says certain kinds of negativity, if allowed to run rampant, are so lethal to our relationship that I call them the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Because they're so devastating to relationship. The first horseman. Contempt. Oops, sorry. The first horseman. Criticism. While a complaint focuses on specific behavior or event, in contrast, a criticism is about the other person's character or personality. Why are you so forgetful? I hate having to always sweep the kitchen floor when it's your turn. You just don't care. Two very common forms of criticism are statements that contain you always or you never. These are just quotes from the book. We're just going to keep going through the horseman. Hang on, because... Giddy up, okay, another joke. Uh. The second horseman, contempt, arises from a sense of superiority over one's partner. It is a form of disrespect. Sarcasm and cynicism are types of contempt. So are name-calling, eye-rolling, mockery, and hostile humor. In whatever form, contempt is poisonous to a relationship because it conveys disgust. The third horseman, defensiveness. Defensiveness is really a way of blaming your partner or your friend. You're saying the problem isn't me, it's you. One common form of defensiveness is the innocent victim stance, which sends the message, why are you picking on me? What about all the good things I do? There's no pleasing you. Defensiveness in all its guises just escalates the conflict. The fourth horseman, stonewalling. Think of the husband who comes home from work, gets met with a barrage of criticism, and responds by turning on the TV. The less responsive he is, the more she yells. Eventually, he gets up and leaves the room. Rather than confronting his wife, he disengages. By turning away, he is avoiding a fight, but he is also avoiding his marriage. So here we have the four horsemen that bring death to a friendship, to a relationship, or to a marriage. And left unchecked uh, will devastate those things. I don't want you to feel hopeless if you relate to one of these four horsemen or if the person you're married to or close to uh, uses or defaults to some of these ways of being. There is hope. Uh, There is hope, uh, well in part because the research that John Gottman says there is hope, says that you can get back on the right track. But there is hope too because we believe that Jesus is someone who can change hearts and can bring back dead things to life. He was dead and he lives. He can bring dead relationships back to life better than they ever were, better than before. So where does this come from? Well, you might think that it just comes from uh, getting a good therapist who can help you resolve conflicts. But interestingly enough, the research shows that conflict resolution is not what makes marriages or relationships succeed. He looked at 130 couples over nine years. That's a lot of time. And he found that the happy couples and the unhappy couples both fought but that 70% of those conflicts did not have a resolution. So it's not your ability to compromise that is going to bring life back into your marriage. This is going to be uh, very difficult for those of you who have the personality type who think that you are always right. Okay, I just imagined that somebody threw a shoe at their TV. I was just ducking. So, if it's not from conflict resolution, where does it come from? First, Peter says, most important of all, continue to show love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. In other words, it's, it's a choice. It's a disposition. It's, it's this bunny. Okay. Remember our friend here. So this bunny uh, is 30 Five years old, approximately. It's it's as old as I am. But it's been resurrected for my daughter, Isla. And uh, this bunny is the tickle bunny. And the bunny, the tickle bunny, uh, will sneak up on Isla like so. Doo-doo. doo Allison, my wife, she she thinks I'm confusing the baby because uh, the the bunny makes shark sounds. Tickle, 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 tickle. So it'll attack Isla in tickle form. Now, that's how it started. What happens now is Isla will grab the tickle bunny by the ears, will bring the tickle bunny to me, and then drop the tickle bunny at my feet, and then run. Uh, I want to show you a picture of how this happens. Maybe you see it there. Yeah. So after she drops it, like I said, she runs it, and the bunny attacks her, and she giggles. If she brings the bunny to me, drops it at my feet, and I don't notice. I don't know how developed her emotions are, but she has them. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with all these emotions as they... Deepen and evolve. Let me tell you. But she will. She'll get upset. She'll get mad because what's she doing? She knows somehow deep down that she wants. She wants my attention. She wants me to play with her. She's making a bid for relationship. And this is what John Gottman talks about. And this is what Peter talks about when he talks about. Uh, loving one another deeply. The foundation of a good marriage is building a friendship. It is making bids for each other's attention and returning those bids with affection and care. It happens in our marriages when when we want to show our spouse something funny we read or we want to share something that came from our day. And when we don't see them, when we ignore them, or worse yet, meet those bids for friendship, again, from from a person, maybe our spouse, what we send back to that person is rejection. And the natural thing that maybe has happened to you this week is that the person who feels rejected will get hurt, and the person who's hurt will often get angry, either hot mad or cold mad. They'll either withdraw or they'll attack. But this we must continue if we are to build relationships that foster love and respect of each other. It's turning toward each other, not a not away. First Peter four verse ten to eleven talks about two of the ways that God has wired us. Not that they're exclusive, not that some of us are one way and everyone else is the other way. Like both of these things live in us. And it's in this passage where Peter is talking about flourishing relationships. So it has something to do with how we relate to each other. Not just in an abstract sense, but in very practical ways. He says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Uh, My wife Allison gave one of the 830 reflections earlier this week, and she talked about uh, essentially doing verbal blessings, of, of sending blessings to people. This is one of the ways that we show love. And I want to encourage everyone watching to pay attention to when your friends or to when your spouses make this kind of bid. Maybe it comes over dinner. Maybe it comes over text. Maybe it comes in the form of a phone call. But there's another way, of course, to show love. Uh, Peter asks, do you have the gift of helping others? or of service, for instance. It's, it's like kind of the more hands-on practical thing. Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. It's just two actually very specific ways. You have your own way of doing it, and you might be married to someone who does it the opposite way, but opening up your field of vision to see what they're doing to try and pursue you. So it's, it's a two-way street. It's, it's you showing pursuit, of people, and it's them pursuing you, and that's where the foundation comes from. That's where the love comes from that covers a multitude of sins, so that when you're tired and grumpy, you can fight fair. You can go into the fight, maybe not liking each other, but getting through the fight without being critical or contemptuous or stonewalling or getting defensive. Guys, this is so difficult. This takes practice. You will fail and try again and fail before you succeed because Jesus is in it for the long haul with you. Transformation typically takes time. The strength that you need to do this stuff, Peter says, comes from God. The gifting that you need... Comes from God. The words that you speak, like we we don't have this inside of ourselves. We need like a foundation with God in order to have any hope of change and doing this with others. There's other things uh, that come through in the book that uh, I mentioned before. I think it's a great read. One of them is to give each other freedom to dream. Another is to create shared meaning or mission uh, with your friends, with your community, and with your spouse. Uh, One way to talk about this mission or meaning actually comes to us right out of 1 Peter 4 when he says, bring glory to God through Jesus. That is what we're here for. Now, this sounds a little bit like a to-do list uh, as... Again, because we're, we're essentially quoting a proverb, there, there's action involved. There's things that we are called to do. It's for our good, though, not to earn God's favor. But, but actually, the good news here is, is that God comes at us the way he prescribes for us. He comes at us with a loving posture. He comes at us like a friend or a loving father would. And the strength comes from him. The, the gifts come from him, and, and even the mission comes from him. And so let's, let's ask God for help uh, going forward in some of our relationships and to meet us and show us how to be more like him. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. And as we worship now, actually give us a deposit of your love that we could share with others. Give us a sense of togetherness. Even though we are apart physically, we, we trust that there is a spiritual dynamic at work in the world. And so that we might even be able to feel that sense of mission and of belonging. Amen. And we'll talk more about that next week. So let's worship. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.